Good morning, practice leaders, and welcome back to this week's episode of Practice Management Insights. I am your host, Ashley Malone, and I love spending time with you on this podcast each week as we continue digging into different areas of practice management that affect each of us on a daily basis. You know, when we were developing this podcast series, we brainstormed a lot on what it would look like. We talked about formatting ideas such as having themed seasons that cover specific areas of healthcare management, like maybe one whole season that would focus on something like flow or financials. But ultimately, we decided to keep things real and to scatter topics throughout each season since that is the reality of healthcare management. Healthcare leaders literally deal with topics on a daily basis that range from an overflowing toilet all the way to legal or compliance issues that fall under federal regulation. Most of us simply tackle these things without really pausing and acknowledging the layers of goodness that we are managing, which are unfortunately also often done without compliment or expressions of gratitude. I have the type of brain where I may not actually remember what I had for breakfast, but I will remember something someone may have said to me four years ago if it resonates with me at the time. It's not a great quality for my husband to deal with, but it does allow me to learn from others as they share their wisdom and advice along this life journey that we are all in together. Along those lines, I will always remember two things that someone I worked with years ago said to me. The first is that healthcare management is a thankless job. And the second is that you might say something 20 times in your practice, in your daily management of your practice. But as soon as a consultant says it, the exact same thing that you've been saying all along, somehow magically your owners think it's the smartest thing they've ever heard. I've been there, I understand, and the reality is, unfortunately, that's true. So all of this is just to remind you that you are doing a great job. It may feel thankless, but it is so important to your patients, to your staff, to your providers, to your practice. And if your owners need a consultant to confirm what you've been saying all along, then spend their money. Hire yourself a consultant that can help push through your ideas and make positive changes for your practice as you continue creating great things for your practice. So along the lines of doing a great job, for this week's episode, we will talk about the times where maybe you aren't doing a great job or maybe your patients don't think you're doing a great job. In today's episode, of dealing with difficult patients. Man, where to begin with this one? Difficult patients are tough. They can wreck your staff. They can insult your practice. They can criticize your reputation, especially online. And they can create a lot of emotions across the board. In my practice, we have a working understanding that an angry patient should not escalate to me unless absolutely necessary. 
I'm a truth sayer by nature. So if you want to have a real conversation with me, I'm going to reflect things back to you that you may not want to hear. So we developed layers. We have mid-level managers. We have leads. We have people with a level of authority that they can actually handle difficult situations without it needing to escalate to me all the time. When it needs to, it needs to. I get it. It's fine. But I'm kind of saying this for those of you that feel like you have to take all of that on. It is okay to trust your leads and to trust others in your office to handle some of the day-to-day concerns or complaints that patients may throw throw at them or throughout the team. This quality of mine doesn't necessarily resonate well with customer service in general, since we know sometimes that the patient is actually quite wrong, and they just need someone to be nice to them, to hear them. I understand, Mrs. Jones. How can I help you? I want to say that one more time. Sometimes the patient just needs someone to be nice to them. One of our training tips with staff is to remind them to take a step back and remember that at least in our office, most of our patients are not healthy in some area of their life. It may just be their eyes because we're in ophthalmology, but it could actually be that they are dealing with cancer or perhaps their life partner is ill. You know, we get emails about once a week that one of our patients has passed, a family member will call us and let us know that they're no longer with us. Even if their health is being managed well, think of the financial stress of having to see multiple specialists on a weekly basis. My personal insurance copay for a specialist is $50 per visit. And then I have deductibles, coinsurance, it quickly gets to the point of unaffordability as soon as you add to a family budget overall health care costs. We all think that groceries are expensive. What about when you get sick and you have to go to the doctor over and over and over again? So it's worth asking, what if that patient isn't actually arguing with you about their copay, but instead expressing something on the surface that actually runs quite deeper? And that your office copay may just be $50, but in reality, they're on a fixed monthly income and they only have an extra maybe $100 per month. But now they're seeing five doctors per month, which completely throws off their budget. And now they're having to borrow from their food budget. Or maybe they were saving for a trip to see their new grandchild. There's usually something more behind a financial stress than what the person in front of you is communicating. Another one that took me years to figure out was about that patient that seems to be okay financially, which never read a book by its cover. But there's some patients you you can kind of tell they're okay, but then they're so angry with you because you dare to send them a notice about their overdue balance. Their overdue balance You've billed them two or three times and they receive a notice that they have a balance with you and now they are furious. I love how patients will talk to you as if you personally sent them that notice instead of realizing that most of the billing function is automated 
and that they wouldn't have that statement sent to them if they didn't have the balance to begin with. But it's not really the point, is it? The point is that our patients are under our care, and it is important that they feel that their health care provider is a safe space where they can share some of the most personal details about themselves, their families, their history, and to be vulnerable with us in that process. What I finally realized about the ones complaining about their overdue statements is that they were embarrassed. These are often the retired executives or the ones that work hard to live debt-free or maybe to build their credit. They see an overdue statement as an insult and a reflection on them that they somehow have been irresponsible financially. Once I realized this point, I simply changed the way I responded in those discussions and made light of the statement. I explained to them that it's just a reminder. I'm really glad that they received it. And if they'd like to go ahead and make that payment, we could clear out the balance for them. Nothing was sent to collections, and we were just making sure that they were aware that they had a balance with the practice. That tends to diffuse the situation immediately. They tend to actually go ahead and make the payment, so that's one less account that you have to worry about. Now, these two examples offer some level of sympathy to patients and challenge us to dig into the root cause of why they may be expressing themselves poorly but the reasons actually may be valid. I do recognize the third scenario where the patient is actually a jerk or selfish or requesting something of your staff or practice that you just cannot provide or don't want to provide. We've certainly had patients that demanded to be seen on a certain day, a certain location, or with a provider who was not available. One of my favorites was a husband and wife team that demanded to talk to whoever was in charge and then sat in my office for 20 minutes telling me that I was going to accept a payment method that we didn't actually accept. They also told me that my office was a mess and that they didn't like a hundred other things about us. The encounter ended with her, the wife, yelling at me, you can't or you won't. Because if you wanted to, you would. So that was a lot of fun. Um, But in those situations, of course, you also have to protect your staff, your providers, and your office, and other patients. And set the boundaries for the patient on what you can and can't to provide for them. There are options in healthcare, And at the end of the day, sometimes your practice just isn't the right fit for every patient. So how do we put some walls around this topic? For starters, every person in your office should have some level of ability to handle difficult patients or situations as they occur. Our more seasoned employees will be better at this, but it's important to ensure that even your newbies understand that kindness and compassion are a job requirement. Sometimes the patient actually wants nothing more than to feel heard. Look them in the eye, repeat back to them what their concern is, and then tell them how it will be handled. Even if that response is that you don't yet have an answer for them, but that you will work hard to get that answer, 
and will call them back to discuss their options further. There's a lot of research behind this one, especially with doctors. When EMR came along, there was a lot of concern that the doctors would spend so much time on the computer that they would lose the personal connection with the patient. But in actuality, researchers found that it wasn't the length of time that the patient is wanting from their doctor. It is the quality of time. If we think about this, it makes a lot of sense. We, as workers, as business professionals, we spend more time with our own coworkers than we do with our own children. But as long as we are giving our families quality, intentional time each night, the levels of bonding and meaningful interaction can be just as rewarding as being present for more hours, but not engaged. So if we think about it, it's the quality of the interaction that will often save the interaction. Perhaps your next staff meeting or training could include some customer service tips, or perhaps you could act out for your staff. Two different scenarios where one has a disengaged encounter, and then the other includes pausing, looking the patient in the eye, repeating back to them what their frustration was, and then comforting the patient and assuring them that their concern will be addressed. Show staff what that looks like, what that feels like. Have them participate in that. I've told patients on multiple occasions over the years that I just appreciated their feedback because it helps me know where we have areas for improvement within our team. For our listeners in larger offices, it might be helpful to identify one of your leaders to also become the point person for customer service issues that have escalated beyond the front desk. This person should have some level of authority and leadership within your practice and have your full support to handle situations as they arise. The last tip for this episode is, of course, to also pause and consider the bigger picture. I use a general rule of two in practice management. This means that if two different people come to me separately with the same idea, I always pause and listen to it because it's probably a good idea. The same with patients. If two separate patients have told us that they paid their bill, but they don't show that they have the money posted on their account, I always assume that we have a theft issue at that point and I need to research it further. If two separate patients complain about the same technician, I pause and I talk with that technician to see what's going on. If you're having multiple patients complain about the same thing in your office, whether it be wait times, billing issues, your employees, maybe parking, whatever it is, if there are multiple complaints, then pause and dig a little deeper to see if it actually isn't a difficult patient but rather a difficult experience that you could make better. That's it for this week's episode of Practice Management Insights. Thank you all for joining us, and I look forward to talking with you again in further episodes and hope you have a great week. Practice Management Insights is a podcast produced by Practice Management and Legal Consulting. For more information, visit us at pmlclaw.com. Or to submit a topic for future consideration, email Ashley, A-S-H-L-I-E, at pmlclaw.com.